Welcome to the Wheels Up Podcast, the resource to help business, executive, and VIP travelers stay safe on the ground and in the air. Join Executive Protection and Travel Security Specialist Troy Clayton as he shares tips on how to give yourself or those in your care a safe journey, no matter where your travels take you. And welcome back to the Wheels Up Podcast. Once again, I am your co-host, Brett Charman, chatting here with Troy Clayton. Hey, Troy, how you doing? I'm very well, Brett. How are you going, mate? Going very well, very well. Um, I've had a bit of time off since we last recorded an episode. Uh, Travelling, in fact. You are looking all refreshed, I must say, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, looking and I, I don't know if I'm feeling it. I actually I went to New York and I ran the New York Marathon. So so that in itself isn't a, isn't a refreshing oh, there you go. exercise. Oh, wow. Uh, well, that, well, that was very uplifting. Um, so uh, How would you go? I, I went well. I didn't win it, uh, but I wasn't expecting to. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I, I ran extremely well. It was my first marathon and uh, put in a good Fantastic. time someone of my age so yeah it, but, but as far as an experience goes it was just out of this world like New York knows how to put on a party it was like a, a 26 mile street party um, and funnily enough yeah, right. and, and this relates to, to what we talk about funnily enough it was on the back of and you would have heard of it here there was the, uh, the incident in Manhattan where a, a guy had, had driven his pickup truck uh, down a cycle lane I think I did hear that yes yes yeah so, so that was the, the first um, or the largest sort of terrorist incident since uh, since 9/11, and at the, and it was about four blocks away from where we were. We were actually down at the site of 9/11 at the time that it happened. Saw a lot of sirens and things going on. We we just weren't totally aware of what it was. Um, but it was also the same night as the Halloween parade in New York, and okay. just the the, the yeah. difference in atmosphere between the places was just astounding. Like no matter what you hear about New York and all the fear of terrorism and all that sort of stuff. They know how to make people feel really welcome. Um, we felt safe there. Like there's, a, there's obviously a very strong police presence, and and during the week there yeah. was as well. So, yeah, it was, for, for me it was just interesting to see the contrast between uh, the worst of humanity and the best of humanity um, in the yeah. same place, and, and the the best outweighed the worst by a long shot. But at the same time, you know, I'm aware we've, we've got to be prepared for the worst. So. Yeah, but all in all, well, I guess you're, you're a little bit more aware about these things having having started these this podcast now. You, there's probably well, a few things that you're looking out for. Exactly, yeah, and even the little things like in the hotel room, uh, latching the door, and all those sorts of things that I've picked up. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, I, I am. No doubt you uh, downloaded the uh, the checklist before you went. I did. I, well, I was very familiar with the checklist, and for those who are listening, yeah, no doubt. You can go to episodes two and three, and you, you'll see us talking about the checklist there. Um, now, how yeah. about you, Troy? You, you've been travelling as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's uh, it's funny you mentioned um, New York, although I haven't been there um, um, this last trip, but um, I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, the last time I was in New York, um, we had a fantastic play, a fantastic time. We stayed down in, in little, little little Italy, and um, the people down there were fantastic, and they had a, uh, a street festival going on. So I know exactly what you mean by uh, the people in New York knowing how to turn on a party. So, um, so yeah, it was fantastic. Um, I've actually just come back from Singapore. Uh, I've been over there. Uh, I was over there for a, a couple of days for some for some meetings, um, and um, you know it was it was it was quite interesting. You know, you know, as I said, you know, we started this podcast, and and we're seeing, um, or we, we talk about, you know, the, you know, what to do, what not to do, the safety, the security, and what to look out for. Um, you know, there was an incident that occurred there, and just a, just a small thing, uh, and it was just um, as we were getting off the plane, young fella in front of me was uh, more. 
more interested in in his in his um uh his mobile phone than than what was in you know going on around him and uh it turns out that he he had his passport and his wallet sort of just tucked in the back of his his pants there and it, it fell out and luckily enough i i picked it up and and passed it on to him so he um you know he just missed that 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 whole situational awareness thing um he was he was lacking so um it was i guess he was just lucky there was someone there to pick it up and and, and happy enough just to pass it on so yeah Indeed, not just anyone. But, um, look, well, yeah, well, there you go. Look, uh, I guess speaking of situational awareness, it sort of brings us, um, it's one of those things that when, you know, guys come up to me and, and ask me about the industry and how to break into the in- industry, it's, it's one of those pieces of advice and one of those attributes that I sort of talk about with the guys um, and say to them, look, you know, you can have all the courses in the world, you can have all the skills in the world, but if you lack situational awareness, um, if you're not looking up and you're not being aware of surroundings, and how is it that you're going to be able to, um, you know, look after clients that we, we, we go out, uh, that, that we provide our services to, provide protection to, um, and provide advice to. So realistically, um, you know, situational awareness is, is one of those things that, that's pretty big within the industry. Um, and it sort of leads us on to, you know, um, you know pr- talking about advice and, and providing advice to, to uh, businesses, providing advice to those breaking into the industry is um, today we've actually got a guest with us. Uh, and someone that knows all about providing advice to uh, businesses and high net worth individuals and families, as well as those guys breaking into the industry, is our is our guest today, Steve Albert. And Steve, how are you going, mate? Oh, I'm doing just great. Just enjoying uh, the U.S. Uh, Florida winter uh, right now. It's about uh, 70 degrees Fahrenheit. I can't remember what that is in Celsius, but uh, it's it's quite comfortable uh, here in Florida. It's but uh, doing doing great. That's good. I mean, it's usually pretty warm down that way down in Florida, isn't it? Uh, it's usually uh, as close to uh, miserable as it can get. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you just think about sweating. Uh, you walk outside and you have to go take a shower. Um, yeah, so right. The summer times in Florida, or or not, that's not why people live here. Um, yeah. The summer times, you just kind of you just kind of bear through it and uh, and move on. But you're waiting for the winter time because the winter time, of course, is just comfortable. Um, yeah, okay. and, then, and then the rest of the U.S. Um, is, is freezing, completely yeah. freezing right now um, um, in misery. Um, so yeah. Florida's real nice right now. Yes. Yeah. We, we yeah. got a Actually, taste one of the that. first times I was up in. Sorry, right, you go. I was just going to say we got a taste of that. My wife and I, we also went up to Canada and we went to Quebec City and it was minus five in our language. I, I don't know what that means in, in, in Fahrenheit. Uh, but with a wind chill factor that took it down to minus 14 and it was just diabolical yeah well one of the first times i was up in new york actually was um it was that winter where you know they were doing uh reports about just how cold it was and even even the new yorkers were complaining about how cold it was so uh for me to go back the second time i've got to admit i wasn't i wasn't overly excited but when we got there it was you know it was it was summer so it was actually it was pretty nice so uh, i know what you mean by getting cold everywhere else in the in the country yeah, yeah. You know, I you know I spent Troy um, about ten years with the state police uh, in, in a western state in the Rocky Mountains, and, yeah, right. and literally froze to death for ten years. Um, yeah, yeah. Wor- working cases and traffic and so forth. Um, so by a- after bad. that, yeah, I had had it. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I, when I left, uh, I said that was the last time I ever shoveled snow. That would be fine for me. Other than if I'm up working or in New York or somewhere like that, uh, yeah. but to actually live in it, um, I, yeah, I was done with that. 
Yeah, um, I don't blame you. Yeah. Uh, that actually brings me back to, um, it brings me to, I'll, how about I give a bit of a brief overview of our guest, uh, Steve, um, and, and then um, I'll get you to a bit of a, give a, a bit of a heads up about yourself as well, Steve. So obviously, sure. as we spoke about, Steve is, is uh, he's currently Florida-based. Um, I believe he used to be out, out at Seattle. Is that, that correct, Steve? Yep, yep, for yeah. about five years in Seattle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so we've both worked together a few times now um, in, the, in, in his previous role as a, an executive protection manager for an ultra high net worth individual um, family and, and also the company that that, that particular person um, was the head of. So um, our teams have assisted Steve here initially. It was, uh, it was in Australia and then we sort of branched up through Southeast Asia um, and we've had some significant travel together um, throughout the region. Um, Steve has an extensive background which, which spans across the military, law enforcement and, and then obviously into the, uh, the family and corporate uh, security space and he has since gone on to um, taking the plunge into running his own business and as a consultant um, he's gone off to establish a company called Obstructure um, which provides advice to businesses about how best to, to hire security personnel and how best to structure a uh, travel safety and security or executive protection program um, within, uh, within businesses and within companies. Um, the other aspect of what he does within Obstructure is to provide advice and guidance to those looking to, to progress within the corporate security industry and um, what operatives or up-and-coming up operatives need to, to, to do to become more competitive, I guess. Yeah, um, and that comes with um, quite a few years of experience in, in that managerial role. Is that is about a, that a good sum up of, of the last few years, Steve? Yes, that's great. Uh, you know, I, like you said, I, I like most guys, or, or I would say most, probably what fifty percent of our industry probably somewhere started in the military. Um, so yeah, about five years in the Marine Corps, um, mm-hmm. in my early twenties, and then uh, like you said, transitioned into the uh, police. Which, you know, I'm not sure about Australia, but in the U.S., um, and I think you and I have talked about this, there's, there's paradi- there's been paradigms through the years in the security industry and talking about guys starting out and where they come from and how they get their start. And, uh, you know, the paradigms have changed uh, for many, many years in the U.S. Most of the executive protection personnel or people beginning their careers came from a law enforcement or police background. Um, yeah. And that and that was so all the way probably up till um, maybe in the mid nineties, um, mm-hmm. and then and then that kind of changed a little bit. Of course, with the, we all know what happened. That was two thousand three Afghanistan and Iraq, and mm-hmm. then the whole hiring kind of uh, executive protection field worldwide kind of changed, and those paradigms kind of went toward more military. Um, and, yep. and now at this stage, I, I do believe we're at a, we're at a stage where it's, um, it, it's combined. It's a, it's kind of a three prong attack. It's military police. Um, and then just private sector guys getting, it's, it's a terrific time to start. I can tell Absolutely. you that yeah. you yeah. could pick one of those three ways and actually get in, um, with a little mentoring and, and stuff. But, uh, yeah, the, I, I, I just happened to come from those three, um, and had to start. Kind of well, I think that these days the industry is becoming a lot more diverse. Um, you know, we're not just exactly sure. what you were just saying. We're not just seeing the, the military. We're not just seeing the law enforcement guys. It is that that mixture of, of guys coming from um, you know that corporate space as well. And yes, and it brings a, a different um, train of thought. You know, we're not, we're not all. You know, it, it helps to have um, that mixture. I think so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, most definitely. Um, it definitely changes the dynamics, but. 
you know, in the last 15 years, um, I, I mean, and, and you probably um, would say, would have would say this also, the clients have changed. Yeah. The, the clients have changed, changed drastically. I mean, you know, what, what time in history did we have uh, 26-year-old billionaires? Oh, absolutely. It, yeah. This didn't happen a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, your typical billionaires 10 years ago, 15 years ago, were all at a certain age, likely mid-40s into 70s. Um, yeah. So those were the type of clients you were dealing with, which dictated the type of executive protection or close protection personnel it took to support them. And, yeah. and that's changed. Yeah. Actually, it's, it's a really good point. Um, a, uh, a previous client that, that we had come out here to Australia is, um, I won't name names, but a, a, younger, a younger guy, um, similar to exactly what you were saying, where, where previously we had, you know, these, these high net worth, you know, CEOs that were of a, a certain age. Uh, this particular, you know, this particular uh, principal come out and he was running up and down, um, you know, you know, the streets of Sydney. And, and <laughs> I mean, not, not out jogging. He was just for fun. He, he sort of said yeah. to the, the guy, the EP guy, and just turned to him and goes, hey, I'll race you. And then the next thing you know, he's running up the street. So, you know, it's, it, it brings a whole new bag um, to what you have to provide with, with the security sure. sector. Yeah. 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 Wow, that, yeah that, that's interesting. As a layman, it's interesting for me to hear, hear of those transitions and, and all, these, all these different dynamics that come into it. Um, so, question for you, Steve. Obviously, you've got significant experience within the industry. You've done a, a ton of travel d- doing the work you do. Um, from a layman's point of view, or if you're addressing a layman, what have you found from a corporate point of view to be the biggest safety and security issues that need to be account to be taken into account if you're planning business or corporate travel? Yeah, that's a uh, yeah that that's a that's a pretty broad question. But as far as the individual uh, travel. Uh, that um, I would say, you know, m- most of it comes down to, and, and Troy kind of alluded to this earlier, is um, is is just, uh, you know, probably I, I don't know. I'm guessing I'm throwing out ninety percent of the people that travel just show up. They just show up, travel. They booked their ticket. They're excited. They're going to Africa to see elephants, and they just show up. Um, and, and so in our industry, of course, we can't do that. And I think that's the biggest difference for us on a security standpoint is, is if we just show up, we're actually doing the opposite of what we're trying to do, which is in our business is risk mitigation. In the end, that's what we're all doing is mitigate, mitigate risk on clients, on ourselves. Uh, because the fact is a lot of the travel for, and I think this is for the layman, they don't understand. They think when we travel that we're traveling with a client the entire time. Actually, the client travel most of the time is a small portion. It, it might be 10% of the total overall trip. So the actual risk mitigation most of the time is risk on yourself or your, or your co- co-workers that you're traveling with. And, and you're focusing, you're sometimes focusing so much on trying to mitigate the risk on the client that you forget about yourself or you forget about your own actions. So you're the one that drops your passport out of your pocket and it happens and it could easily happen to all of us. So, you know, to mitigate all of that. And, and I think Troy would, uh, would bless this and say that it's a overall, it's, it's about having good habits. If you, yeah. if a person that's highly organized and has good habits 
you're um, you're going to mitigate most of any of those travel risks. If you're if you're the person that that uh, typically um, you know is not attention to detail, doesn't have good habits, um, you're going to open yourself up. And I hope I'm answering your question, but that's uh, yeah, it, it, I, I agree exactly what you're saying, mate. It's it's and a lot of it's in the planning too. It, it, that's that that part where you sort of said it's it's ten percent of what we do. Realistically, ninety percent of what we do is is in the planning. And, and Correct. It's, um, ensuring that you know ex- exactly what you were saying. Don't just turn up. You know we've we've done all the planning previously, and and I guess to bring it to a corporate space or back to a business space, it's 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 about having those travel policies in place. So a lot of a lot of companies just don't have policies on on travel, um, and even the ones that do have it, that they, they tend to be a little bit loose. They're sort of written up. Um, I guess from a HR point of view or from um, from a travel point of view, they may not have actually you know consulted with with the the security section at their business or their company, um, or even consulted with a uh, a risk management firm. So absolutely, mate, I, yeah, I agree one hundred percent with what you're saying. Yeah, I would say the majority, Troy. Um, the the majority of companies that I've seen and that I've dealt with. The, the, they don't have a lot of travel policy uh, for their employees. Mm. Um, it, it's amazing how many employees and how many companies um, just don't have any clue where their employees are um, yeah. and, 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 and uh, travel policies that they have to abide by. Um, yeah. But a lot of it, again, is just education. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that's something that you do also at, at Offstructure there too as well. You, you know, you, you go into businesses, you, you assess yeah. what it is they've got in place and then and you, you, know, you sit down and talk to them about that as well. So absolutely. Sure. So, and I guess with the planning, it brings us to, you know, what, what I was going to ask you next is, you know, within the EP space, we, or the executive protection field, we conduct advances prior to undertaking any tasks that we, that we go on. Um, I guess realistically only those people within, um, the security industry would understand what an, what, what an advance is, and I use inverted commas when I say advance. Um, you know, within the corporate space or within business, an advance is um, we, we would almost corporatize it or uh, morph it into what's sort of known as travel or journey planning and support. Um, so you, you, Steve, you've obviously done a considerable amount of um, traveling and, and you've, you know, you've compiled advances all over the place. So one who's has uh, travelled significantly, what do you see as, a, as travel planning and support and, and how would you explain that to your corporate clients? Yeah, you know, the easiest way to explain it for people, and again, the, the term advance is used extremely loosely um, mm. and, it, and it means different things to different people. But yeah. um, uh, to, to, to explain it to the layman, I would say, um, you know, for the most part, it's a dry run. It would be like you deciding you're going to go to a specific location and, and you're going to take your family there and travel with them, right? So you got your two kids, your wife, and you got, uh, you know, not the dog, but uh, maybe the dog. And, and, uh, and you're deciding on... Well, you know, Johnny Depp, you, you would definitely bring the dog. That's true. You bring the dog yeah. there. Um, and as you know, a lot of our clients do bring their pets and dogs, and yeah. that adds complication yeah. to things, Absolutely. actually. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I would say it's making it... It's, it it's making a dry run. It's essentially you're bringing your family somewhere and you then go and go through a complete methodical dry run of what you're going to do, what you're going to see with your family down to how far the distance is from uh, where you're sleeping at night to literally, and it might come down to counting steps. I mean, I worked for, for one principal or, or client where 
where we knew how many steps it was going to be to locations uh, because because that might have meant the difference between mobility issues. So so it's taking that dry run all the way through each steps, whether it's whether it's the actual and most of us a lot of that is comes down to the documentation portion of it, um, and the documentation portion of it. And a lot of people get confused on that. The documentation portion of it is for us. That's for yes. that would be for me to give to yes. my family not or 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 the guys that you're traveling with not to the specific client the client right. doesn't doesn't uh you know doesn't actually generally see the report unless they requested it you could send that to them but uh it's generally the back of the house stuff uh but but uh, to explain it yeah it's it's a dry run to that yep. now now it's too it's too prong uh though because it gets much more complicated an advance is much more complicated on the management side of it. So for you, like Panoptic, you send your company and, and you say, Hey man, you're going to Madagascar and I need you yep. to come back and report to me what you found because we're going to send clients there. He's giving you a single operative uh, outlook on things. Um, but as you, as the owner of Panoptic, you would do it quite different because your dry run is is much more technical. So my advance in a management style might be dealing with the contractors and securement of contracts and the basically the planes, trains, and automobiles, uh, yeah. signing the contracts, master service agreements. You yeah. name it, uh, much more difficult and and uh, you know so, so for a single operative, uh, his advance may be um, a couple of days, where on the management side. His his uh, advance might start one year prior to yeah. a four day trip, and so because yeah. it takes that long sometimes uh, through uh, through things to work the plan out. Well, it's identifying resources and identifying contractors, identifying yes. you know everything exactly what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it sort of comes back to that um, what we were sort of talking about before. It's that that perception, I guess. Um, I can't remember. We might have been talking about it off air, but it's that, that Hollywood perception that some people have of the industry um, that isn't actually factual. I mean, it's yeah. not a case of exactly what you're saying. Don't just turn up. You know, the, the BG or the bodyguard or the executive protection agent or, or operative, they don't just turn up. They don't just it's, show up. <laughs> no, that's it. They, they have, they've done all their advanced work and, and it's all in the planning, 90% in the planning, exactly what yeah. you were saying. Yeah. 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 And you yeah. Sort, of, sort of touched on a little bit there about the difference between a... Um, you know, a family and, and just a travel, a, you know, a single traveler, you know, what, what do you see as the biggest challenges of the two and what's the differences of the, of, of the two, you know, whether it be just the, the CEO or the, the company director um, going into say, you know, Madagascar again and versus a, a whole family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one word complication. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, tra- traveling, traveling with one client um, is uh, of course, your resources uh, are limited. Um, you don't have to travel as much resources. Um, and then, of course, traveling with larger groups and families, um, yep. you, it's just more complicated. There's so many more moving parts. It's the difference between playing chess and checkers. So you play checkers, you do it, but playing chess, your mind is overwhelmed with how many uh, actual moves, and that's yep. the difference. Uh, you know, yep. not... It's not funny, but it's it's similar to that. It's the difference between chess and checkers, and uh, yeah, yeah. And, and look, each if if you're going with a family, we've found as well. The other thing that we found is, um, although you may have a itinerary and you may have a plan, 
that generally goes out the window after the first venue because yes. mum wants to go one way, dad wants to go the other, the kids want to go to another spot. And next thing you know, you've got, you're, you're pulling resources from all over the place to, to make it all happen. Yeah. 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 And also one, one, um, you know, one thing about that when you're, when you're talking about families and vice single, you know, travel with a single client is if you add in, of course you add, you're multiplying the risk. You're multiplying. Absolutely. So if you have four or five principals or clients uh, in our industry, your risk is much higher because you're trying to cover four or five different um, people than one. So mm-hmm. even though your resources are more, um, it adds a, it adds it definitely adds a lot of complication. But also that in our industry, uh, the the laymen or new people in the industry, or even other people looking from the outside in, um, you know success in, in covering clients in, in the EP world today or the executive protection, close protection world um, is not just about security. It's, it's uh man, it's so much about customer service and people getting their money. For it. Yeah. So, yeah. so when you're traveling with a family, a lot of times you're always most, you know, a lot of times you have one or two people that might be uh, take up more than their fair share of people or your security because that's just mm. the way they are. So, um, you know, you're, you're trying to juggle a lot of balls. And, uh, and again, the customer service piece is make or break. Um, yep. Yeah. Well, so. it's, it's all about, it really is. We're a service-related industry. I mean, if we, yes. if at the end of the day, we're all, you know, we're all about security, but at the same time, it has to be delivered in a way that the principal or the, or the clients, are, uh, it, it's not as intrusive into their lives um, because they, they don't, they're not going to stop their life uh, and stop whatever routine they've got just, to fit into with your program. You've got to fit in That's with right. them and you've got to mitigate the risk whilst they're traveling and enjoying their life. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, that, and that's the biggest difference between using the term PSD, you know, whether it's in Iraq or Afghanistan, um, you know, I, I, of course, um, you know, working for the three letter agencies uh, doing yep. that is quite different security. It's, it's almost like a different field. Um, yeah because the customer service, they still have a customer service element to, the, to their job as well. But uh, it, it's almost like a different, um, it's almost like a different career doing that. Yeah. So and, and talking about in really high threat areas. Um, yeah. yeah so, so, doing, so. so, so gents, just to step away from the, the high net worth, the, the executive protection and the ultra high net worth people. So for, for a business, obviously not every business can afford to have, have guys like you do, do a specific advance for a specific journey. And going back to what we were saying before about having policies, is there scope and is this something that you guys do where you can do like a, a generic advance? Let's say a company, we're looking to do business in Iraq. Can you do a generic advance, go over there, and then come back with some guidelines that would form part of a policy so that when we do have people going there, um, they as much as possible, they've got their own risk mitigator, but without having to fork out for a team to, to go to. And, and, and obviously it's not just Iraq, any country which, which has a cultural difference or um, maybe different the way things are done back home. Is that something you guys do? Most definitely. Yeah. And I, I think Troy would say the same thing. You're, 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 you hit the nail on the head actually um, that, and, and I'll use Africa for example, because I've traveled extensively in Africa and different and multiple countries in Africa uh, to the point to where um, 
that's what, that's what uh, in my previous company I worked for, that's what we would do is we'd set up a specific guidelines, again, like you said, where we're not actually going there every single time, but we can consult with other, let's say, internal departments and, and tell them specifically, this is, what, this is where you're going to go. This is the specific hotel. I mean, right now, you know, if, if I took a client to Johannesburg, which is not the safest city in the world, um, but I feel pretty good about giving them pretty good advice. And so you would do that with a specific company as well. Uh, what routes to take, what, what hotels to stay at, uh, which airports to actually fly into, where to go within the airport, what not to do, what to do, and so forth. And yes, you, you pass that along. Uh, generally working with any client, you're, you do uh, a lot of times travel and go to multiple locations all over the world. So you might hit one location a dozen times. So yes, you're not sending, and I hope this answers your question, you're not sending a specific person a dozen times to that same location. Yeah. You, you use what we were talking about as that, and Troy was saying, is that advanced report and that documentation to, to educate. Let's say if you have a new guy on the team, you just pass him that report and that, and that should educate him um, in the idiosyncrasies of that location and, and what and what not to do. Um, but so, yes, you're, you're correct. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, yeah pretty, you know, Steve put it quite eloquently there. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's about having that document, you, you know, within, within the, um, the corporate sector, you know, having that policy that's there to, as guidance for the traveler. Um, and that can be held by either the HR department, can be held by your, your risk team or, or whatever. Um, you know, if the policy's there, then, then the traveller can refer to it um, and, and then they can um, ensure that they stick with it. And I guess from a legal point of view as well for, for the actual company, if, if they've got the policy in place uh, and then your employees deviate out of that and then something sort of occurs, then, you know, you, you're kind of covered because you've got that policy in place and you can say, look, this is what the policy says. These are the places that you should have been going to. This is the hotel that you should have been staying at. This is what we've recommended. You've gone outside of that and now X, Y, Z has happened. Uh, we're not liable for that. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. It's due diligence. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. All right. Yep. All right. So, so Steve, you mentioned Africa a moment ago, um, and I know you've worked a bit with Troy in, in Asia. Now, for us, like mm-hmm. Asia is kind of Australia's backyard. We're very familiar with it. Yeah. Going to Europe, going to Europe uh, we almost always pass through through Asia at some point. So we're, we're very familiar with that. How have you found working in Asia? Like are there specific problems that have come up there? Um, what, what's your perspective? What, what's unique about working in that part? <laughs> well, you know, like any other place, it's uh, once, you, once you deal with the language barriers, um, you know, th- those are some of, the, some of the complicated things as far as, you know, traveling from the U.S. But the biggest thing, and, and I'm not just saying this uh, because I'm actually uh, on Troy's blog or on Troy's, uh, uh, but, but, um, but I would say it, it's uh, on a corporate standpoint, it's using companies like Panoptic to do the dirty work for us. And I say the dirty work is in, there's no reason for me to go to Asia and try to recreate the wheel if I can hire a company and contract services that are going to do all that for me. Um, and for a corporate standpoint, it's, it, it actually is not feasible to, for us to do that in-house or try to do that in-house. So right. the, key, the key to the whole thing is if you, if you have the means and, or the time, it's means and time and it's a balance, is setting up 
that global network internationally. And that's what I do at OpStructure. I mean, that, that's essentially what OpStructure stands for is operational structuring and setting up a global network or contingent um, in Asia or other locations where I don't have to go figure that out. Because if I have to go figure that out or I have to send guys, uh, you know, let's say cold turkey into Madagascar or to Singapore, um, then that puts, at a, puts us at a detriment because we're trying to learn something that a company like Panoptic, that's your backyard, that you've already figured out years before, which consequently would be the same as Troy has a client that wants to travel to Florida or, or anywhere in the U.S., um, it would it would be uh, uh, very advantageous for him to contract those services back because uh, we can provide a different style of service without him trying to figure out all the cultural differences. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I mean, there's a lot of there's companies out there that go, yeah, look, we we can go anywhere, we can go everywhere, and and look, I guess in this day and age, you 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 probably can say you can, but how well you can actually do that is another thing. Like, yeah. It's all about having that, that trusted network, and it's exactly what you just said, said, Steve. I mean, you've, you know, we've obviously supported you up through Southeast Asia and, and up through Asia Pacific, and, um, you know, we, we've, we've got local uh, assets in throughout the area, but, you know, you've traveled, you know, all across Africa, India, Europe, and, and wherever else. So your, your network would be quite extensive, and it's, yeah. it's really about having that network that you can lean on and go. So when the, when the clients come to us and, uh, they say, hey, listen, um, I'm heading, you know, let, let's use Florida, for example. I'm heading to Florida. What can you do? Well, obviously, I haven't personally been there, but I know I've got a trusted source there. Yeah. So it's about having those, those trusted connections, um, which um, you can then pass that on to the client, which at the end of the day is, is what it's all about, yeah. you know, ensuring yeah. that safety, yeah. the security, and, and the, um, the well-being of the client by using a, a trusted network. Yeah. And going back to your original question, if, if you have time, to do it, then so be it. Meaning, but in our world, you, you generally, with our style of clients, um, you know, you, you don't have that much time to go conduct it in advance. So you have to lean on another company to help you out. Um, but again, if they give you a year or, or even a month and they say, hey, go to Singapore or go to Madagascar or go to India, uh, some of these more complicated countries that, and I say complicated in that the culture is so different than the U.S. style of doing things, then, oh. yes, you could do it. And as Troy said, yeah, there's many companies that say, oh, we can do it all. Well, they can do it all if they have the time to do it all. But for yeah. the most part, um, you know, clients and, and high net worth individuals don't give you that much time. So you're, you're doing stuff on a quick notice. And, and of course, uh, they don't care whether half of them, they don't care whether it's you doing it. It's getting the job done. Um, That's right. And so uh, in the end, they want to land and they want a, a, um, a person to pick them up and get them to the location and to their meeting and back out. Um, and, and you're only as good as your support network. And on that note, we'll just pause the discussion with Steve Albritton for now and invite you to join us on the next episode, which will be episode seven of the Wheels Up podcast. In that episode, Steve, he's going to uh, share a bit more of his expertise. In particular, we're going to talk about how to build a security team from scratch, um, how to factor medical issues into risk mitigation, uh, why staff sometimes need to be at more risk than the principal client, and what really goes on behind the scenes of the travel task. Uh, and, and even what the options are for companies that cannot afford a full security team. So we've covered a lot of ground today, but there's a lot more to cover. 
So please come back, uh, jump across to wheelsuppodcast.net and we'll share a bit more on that episode. And in the meantime, if you'd like to get hold of Steve, you can uh, find his website at opstructure.com. That's O-P-S-T-R-U-C-T-U-R-E.com. Or you can email Steve directly. That's steve at opstructure.com. S-T-E-V-E at opstructure.com. So once again, thank you for joining us and we hope you see you on the next episode. You've been listening to the Wheels Up podcast with Troy Clayton. For more information, show notes, resources, and subscription options, visit wheelsuppodcast.net. Wheels Up is brought to you by the Experts On Air podcast network. Until next time, safe travels.